Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. Good morning, everybody. 1976, Austin, Texas. A little music festival begins that decades, decades later has become a worldwide phenomenon. You know it. It's Austin City Limits. Every year for a week, thousands of people come to this music festival, drawing the top musical acts from all over the world. Crowds upwards of 400,000 people. That's a lot of folks. Now, I want you to imagine yourself in an Austin City Limits size crowd. And you're there to come and see one act, one person that you've waited all year to see. However, there's one problem. You're short and you can't see. Or at least everybody else around you is really tall. And this is the only time that this person is going to be there. And you don't know what to do. So you basically have three options. Number one, you can just go home and forget about it. Number two, you can just kind of hide in the crowd and just kind of go with the flow. Or number three, you look over and you see nearby a tree. And you think, if I can get over there, I can climb the tree and I can see who it was that I came to see. But you know what? That's not as easy as it looks because you're going to humiliate yourself if you climb up in the tree. And to top it off, you're a pretty well-known person and you've got your reputation to think of. I mean, come on. Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook guy, is not going to climb up in a tree. And I can guarantee you, Oprah is not going to be climbing up in any tree. So what do you do? Do you see the act or do you just go home? Well, the story that we're going to read about today is about a man who was faced with this exact same situation, and he actually chose to climb the tree and see. And his tree-climbing adventure led him to a moment sitting down in his house at the table right across from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know his story actually really well, probably because there's a very famous children's church song about him. His name is Zacchaeus, you know, Zacchaeus, the wee little man, the wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. And then Jesus came by and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm coming to your house today. Now, I know that's a goofy song. Half of you are going, boy, what on earth are these people singing? It's a children's church song from a long time ago. If you don't know it, don't worry about it. <laughs> Let's read his story right here. Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming his way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Could you bow your hearts with me and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this amazing story and for what you have done. And Lord, I just ask you to open up our hearts and help us to hear this story. Maybe for some, it's a very familiar story. Help us to hear it in a new way. For some have maybe never heard it before. But teach us what you want us to learn. Help us understand what you want us to know today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day to you guys. I had a really cool Father's Day treat this week. I was preparing for this message, and my daughter, Karis, said, hey, Dad, you're preaching on Sunday, right? And I said, yes. She said, well, hey, let me help you out and figure out what you got to say. I was like, great. I will take all the help I can get. So we went to Starbucks, and we sat down at a table, and we began to talk about Zacchaeus, and we talked about the table series that we're doing. And Karis started to talk about a table that is really big in her life as a sophomore in high school, and that is the high school cafeteria table. Do y'all remember having lunch in high school at the table? Maybe some of you are doing it right now. Think about it. It's kind of a scary thing. Remember the first time you go to the cafeteria, there's people everywhere, and you're like, am I going to know anybody here? Am I going to get left off all by myself? Am I going to find my group that I sit with? It's kind of it's crazy, and it's very, very interesting. And I couldn't help but think when I heard Karis talk about it of my high school cafeteria table, and I could only think of one story, and, and it was this guy that would come by our table every day, and he was a bully. And he would come by, and he'd point out somebody at our table, and he would make fun of us and say something bad, something nasty to us. And he would walk a few tables down, go sit at his table back in the corner in his little spot and sit there and then have his lunch in his little bully throne over there in the, in the corner. <clears throat> the next day, he'd do the same thing, come by and make fun of somebody, go sit in his bully throne in the, his little kingdom back there in the corner. He would do it every single day. And finally... After about three months of this, I thought, man, I've had enough of this. What can we do to this bully? And you know, you know high school cafeteria tables, they all look the same. The style has never changed. It's the table that folds up. It's got the metal that attaches a, a, a plastic disc that's there, and you sit on the disc. It's hard plastic. You know what I'm talking about? Well, one day I noticed that that plastic disc was about the same color as red Play-Doh. And so I got this brilliant idea. I got some red Play-Doh, and I snuck down early to the cafeteria, and I went over to the bully throne, okay? And I took that Play-Doh, and I spread it all over his seat, and I went back to my seat. Waited for everybody to come down, and they came down, and sure enough, like he always did, he came by our table and made fun of somebody at our table and trotted off to his seat, and he sat down right in the Play-Doh. 
Now, the funny thing about it is, and we're all, you know, of course, giggling. This is great, you know, loving it. He didn't even notice. In fact, that guy, unfortunately, probably didn't have any friends because nobody told him, but all day he was walking around with a rear end as red as a baboon, and everybody was laughing at him. (laughs) High school cafeteria table. That was my memory of it for sure. You know, Karis and I were saying, all right, so if Jesus was in high school, who would sit at Jesus' table? That's kind of an interesting question. Would, it, would, would he be at the kind of popular, athletic, Zac Efron high school musical table? I mean, would that be kind of where Jesus hangs out? Or would he be more like the Napoleon Dynamite, Pedro, uh, Deb table drinking the 1% milk? I don't know. Who knows? Okay? Or maybe somewhere in between. And so Karis and I started saying, saying, well, who gets to sit at Jesus' table? It's a great question. You know what? I think the story of Zacchaeus actually gives us some clues into who gets to sit at Jesus' table. So I got four people I'm going to tell you that get to sit at Jesus' table. You can follow along your notes. You can write it in. If you don't want to write it in, then you don't write it in. All right, number one, who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Number one, those with a sketchy past. Those with a sketchy past. It's interesting, the story takes place in Jericho. I don't know if you remember, but, but Jericho was a sketchy town. It was the site of the most amazing marching band halftime performance at all time that had some supernatural help. When the trumpets played, the walls came down because it was a bad town. All right? Sketchy past. Zacchaeus is a sketchy guy. He's a bad dude. Okay, so he's a tax collector. We get that. Nobody likes to pay taxes. But actually, it was much worse than that. He taxed his, his uh, fellow Jews, his brothers, but taxed them to Rome so he was like a traitor to his own brothers and sisters. And to top that off, he took a portion of the money for himself and became very wealthy on it, so he was also a thief. This guy was a bad guy, the Zacchaeus. He was not the cute little wee little man in the, in the, the children's song. He was a bad dude, Okay. And you can understand the criticism when Jesus said, I'm going to go hang out with you. I can legitimately see someone saying, wait a minute, Jesus is going to hang out with the guy that took my money so now my kids can't eat? Wow, Jesus, it would have made you kind of, is this the guy that I think he is? It would have been a little bit skewed. It kind of brings up a really good question of who gets to sit at Jesus' table. Does the bad guy get to sit at Jesus' table? Does red rear-end Plato boy on his throne, does he get to sit with Jesus? I mean, I kind of don't want him to because he was kind of a jerk. But you know what? This story lets me know if Jesus calls his name and he says, I'll go, guess what? He gets to sit at Jesus' table. Who's the person that has hurt you the worst in your life? Do they get to sit at Jesus' table? It's kind of hard to deal with a little bit. It brings a whole understanding into the idea of forgiveness as well. There's a scripture, Colossians 3, 13. Be quick to forgive offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. One of the most powerful stories that I ever heard somebody say, there was a a lady that I knew that she she was giving a testimony of how she had come to a place of forgiveness in her heart for someone that had done something awful to her, a relative that had abused her 
years before, and she finally got to the place where she understood that, that, that God's justice and judgment was enough, and even enough that if this person would say yes to him and come to the table, that he, the person that hurt her, could sit at the table as well. But she could only really get there until she herself had come to a place of understanding that she too, for her life, for the things that she was responsible to, to was forgiven. Those with a shaky past get to sit at Jesus' table. Do you have a shaky past? I do. I have a past that's full of pain, that's full of disappointment, that's full of missing the mark, that's full of sin. But you know what? Jesus can welcome you, can welcome me at the table. Who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Those with a sketchy past. Number two, those with insurmountable limitations. Insurmountable limitations. Zacchaeus had a limitation. You know what it was? He was short. Can anybody relate to being short? Just lift your hand up real high. I, I can't see any of the hands out there, but I, I, by faith, I know that they're, that they're up there. But yeah, I, I th- I, you're out there. Yeah, I got it. We, we, we humans hate limitations. We hate it. We want to be all and have everything, and we want to be great at, at all things. We hate our limitations. In fact, we strive to overcome our limitations, sometimes to the most unrealistic and unhealthy extremes with our looks, with our appearance, with what people think about us, with how we present ourselves. It's, it's almost crazy, some of the things we do just to appear not limited in what we can do. I'll give you an example when I was about 13, 14 years old, you know, kind of that age where you, you start to realize that girls aren't so bad after all. And, uh, and there was this girl that I just thought, man, I wish she would notice me. And, but she was not noticing me. And I saw this commercial on TV, and I don't know, some of you may remember it. Remember it. It, was a, it was a commercial for milk. And it was a scrawny little guy that, it, that he was drinking milk. And as he was drinking milk in the commercial, in the 20 seconds he was drinking, he grew to be this amazing buff dude just by drinking milk. And finally, when he got to this certain point, the girl was like, ah, and she took notice of him. And you know, I thought, I'm going to try that and see if it works. So man, I started drinking milk for breakfast. I started drinking milk for lunch, for dinner, for snacks in between. I mean, I was drinking so much milk, I got sick of it. And I started drinking chocolate milk. And, and do you want to know what happened with that girl? She never noticed me. It, to- it totally didn't work. That commercial was a lie. It was a complete lie. And now I hate milk because of it. The reality is this, guys. We all have limitations. In fact, we are designed with limitations. And you know what? Our limitations are not bad. In fact, they're a blessing. Our limitations are actually very good because they lead us to solutions that we would not otherwise find. They're actually a blessing. Zacchaeus was limited. How was he limited? He couldn't see. He wanted to see Jesus. I couldn't see him. What do I do? That led him to a solution. Now, you might first think the solution was ingenuity. Oh, my goodness, a tree I can climb. Actually, no. What it led him to was humility. 
It led him to realize, you know what? I don't care who I am and what people think. I want to see this guy. I'm going to climb the tree. So before he went up, he went down, way, way down, okay? Our limitations actually define us. What's your limitation? Or what do you feel your limitation is? What is the thing that's holding you back? Is it your lack of skill, lack of education, your lack of background, opportunity? Maybe it's your very own pride that is the thing that you, that you lack. You know, as, as Ross said a while ago, do you guys know we're, we're getting ready to plant a fourth campus up in Liberty Hill, right? You know, did you know about that? It's amazing. And I am, guys, I'm, I'm so amazed at how this has happened. I mean, God has truly brought this together. He's brought an amazing group of people already over the last year, year and a half, that it really does feel like a, a family. And it feels like a one chapel family. It's amazing. And I'm just so amazed at, at, at this church of how you as a, a body are so willing to just say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to take some of our people, we're going to send you up there, we're going to buy you a building, and, and, and God bless you, and we're going to be behind you while you make it happen. Folks, that is what healthy families do. They raise people up and send them out so that more can be done. That is unselfish to the most amazing degree, and I thank you. I thank you for that, and it's, it's, incre- it's going to be incredible. And most days I wake up and I'm so excited about it. I, I'm just, I'm overjoyed. But there are some days when I wake up and I go over and I look at that building, which is really cool, but it needs a lot of work. It's kind of a fixer-upper. And I, I, I kind of go, oh my gosh, how in the world are we going to do this? And I feel very limited, limited. And it kind of scares me. But you know what I've learned that's actually kind of cool? Because if you can't do it in your own strength, it gives God a chance for a miracle to happen. And that's the kind of thing that we want to enjoy together. Check out this scripture. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, But he answered me, My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness, for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but I'm delighted by my weakness. Isn't that the opposite of what we want? We don't want to be delighted by my weakness. We want to be delighted by our goodness and strength. But it's just the opposite. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I am surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made stronger yet. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Our limitations, our limitations can land us at the table with Jesus. And it's a great thing. Okay? Number three, who gets to sit at the table with Jesus? Number three is those who have it all together. Those who have it all together. Now, from a point of view, when you look at Zacchaeus, it kind of did look like he had it all together. He didn't really have need. I mean, he was wealthy things were going fine. I mean, did he really even need to see Jesus? It seemed like everything was okay. And you know, I think it's very natural for us to, to kind of look at folks that, that appear for things to be well, that we don't think that they really have a need to sit down at the table. But I want to tell you, it's actually the exact opposite. Sometimes those are the people that it's the very hardest for them to get there, and they need it the most. I think it's really interesting. There's another story in the Bible about 
It's called the, uh, the story of the rich young ruler, and it's a very interesting uh, parallel or juxtaposition to the story of Zacchaeus. See, it was another wealthy guy, this rich young ruler, another successful guy that was actually a good guy. He'd done good things. He kept all the commandments his whole life. And he came to this point of talking to Jesus almost to sit down at the table, almost to get there. And Jesus said, said okay, you've done great, but you've got to just do one more thing is you've got to give everything to the, to the poor, sell everything you've got, and follow me. And he just couldn't quite get there. And he said, nope, I want to hold on to my success. And he went on, and he never got here. Zacchaeus, kind of the opposite. Zacchaeus was a jerk. He was a tax collector. He was a thief. He was a traitor. And he got to this point, And Jesus said, all right, come into your house. Okay. He knew that he had need, and he sat down. It's really kind of weird. You kind of think it was going to be the other guy that it was going to happen to, but no, nope. it, was, it was to him. Who sits at the table? Those that have it all together. Number four, and the final one, who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Those who are just another face in the crowd. Those who are just another face in the crowd. Have you ever been in a, in a really large crowd and felt very small? Maybe like um, ACL. The biggest crowd that I've ever been in, and I've gone to it twice, is, is the Indianapolis 500. It's a very, it's, it's the largest spectator sporting event in the world. Um, they have, I think there's like 300,000 permanent seats in the facility, but that doesn't include everybody that comes and goes on the infield. So it, it's n- close to a half a million people that are at one place at one time. It's a big crowd. And I actually have a picture I'm going to show you of me at the Indy 500. And if you look up here, now I was actually, I'm in this picture, Okay. All right? So if you look really close, you can see the, the arrow right there, kind of up behind the flagpole and kind of underneath the overhang. There's a, there's a little white with a little bit of bluish dot. That's me. <laughs> I'm right there. Man, talk about just being another face in the crowd. You know, I think a lot of people kind of might feel this way with God. It's like they just feel like I'm one of 7.5 billion people, does God even know? Does he even know my name? Does he even care who I am? You're just kind of lost. Well, here's the thing we know about Jesus. This story of Zacchaeus and many other stories, he was in crowds a lot. And he was very aware of the crowds, but he was also keenly aware of the one who knew, who needed him. And he knew them by name. Interesting, when Zach climbs up in the tree, I don't think it was because of the, 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 the tree climb that Jesus saw him. I think it was that Jesus knew that that was the guy that was ready and needed. And he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus calls him by name. Calls him by name. I see you in this crowd. And maybe that's you. Maybe you need the Lord to, he's looking at you right now. He's saying, I see you. I see you right where you're at. Now, here's where the story, I think, takes the most profound twist. Is he says his name, and he says, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to hang out with you. See, I think a lot of people kind of cool with Jesus. 
Call your name. Okay, thanks, Jesus. Bye. See ya. He says, no, I'm coming to you. I'm coming here with you, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to be right here. We're going to have a deep friendship. We're going to have a known friendship. We're going to be tight. We're going to be here. That's the relationship. That's the communion that Jesus wants with each of us. And you know what happens when you get to this point? Happens with what happened with Zacchaeus. Once you sit down and get to this point with the Lord, everything changes. This guy gave four times anybody that he had cheated. Wealthy guy, obviously. How in the world could somebody that tight and that, that, the way he used to be do that? Well, when you meet with the Lord, everything changes for you. So who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Sketchy, past, limited, those that have got it all together, and those that just feel like they're a nobody. They're a face in the crowd. I just want to tell you, tell you one last little story here, something that happened to me about a year ago that I think, I think God has, was really showing me something here about what he wants with each of us um, with the table. I don't know if you remember this, but about a year ago, there was a couple, a homeless couple that started coming to our church for a, a time. And they came for a little while and, and they brought their, their dog with them. And, and I'm usually here pretty early. I'm here pretty late. So I was kind of hanging out with them a lot just because I was, I was here when they were here. And, and I know, you know, Ross had even encouraged me. He said, hey, you know, just, just check on them, make sure they're okay, just to, to make sure, um, make sure they were being taken care of. And, and so I did that. And Here's the thing. It was so hard to have a relationship with them because they told some of the craziest, most outlandish stories that I've ever heard in my life. And they would sit there and tell me this. And I, I sit there and look at them and go, I don't even know how to answer this story. It's so far out in left field. There was no table of, of common truth to build a relationship on. And it was, it was so hard. But then there was one day, something, something happened that kind of changed it. And it was actually two things. One is they invited me to come to their house. Now, their house was actually a camp in the woods. And I'll be honest with you, I was kind of scared to go. And, and in fact, I think I even texted my wife and said, hey, could you just kind of, you know, check in on me here in about 30 minutes? I mean, I was a little bit scared. I might have even, I don't know. I was... But I, but I went. I felt like it was the right thing to do. And I went there, and I, I sat down with them in their home. And I could tell they started to look at me a lot differently. And then something else happened after that. Now, I had, I had got them some food before in the past and taken them to, the, to HEB or gone through a drive-thru and got them some food. And, but there was one day where we did something a little different. As I drove them to Wendy's. And we went inside, we ordered food, and we sat down at the table, and we ate our meal together. And I was right across from them, and they were across from me. And, and I just thought, you know, I think I'm just going to start telling goofy stories whenever I was younger. I think I actually told them the Play-Doh story, that I put the plate on the guy's chair, and they were, just, they were just looking at me like this, listening. And for a brief moment, everything changed. I felt like for the first time, I was actually talking to the real people without the lies. And it was so cool. What is that? I think it's this right here. I think it's what Jesus wants to do with every single person. He wants to sit down 
And he wants to be with you, the perfect heavenly father, the perfect friend, one-on-one. I know you. I know where you're at. Your shaky past can get transformed. Your limitations, mm mm-mm, got that covered. The, the, the pride, the, the feeling like you're, um, you're insignificant, no. I am with you. I am your Lord. That's what I think this story is all about. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually take communion together. We're gonna, we do this every week. It's the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. We know that the, the bread and the drink, it represents Christ's body and blood that was given for us. When we take it today, as you take it, man, think about this, the table with Jesus, the past it has gone, the limitations, have it all together, but just in their face, no, you be with the Lord, you be with him. And we certainly, we do open communion here at One Chapel, so you're, you're not required to take it. If you're not a member here, you can take it. You're free. It's open. The table is open to you. Our ushers are going to come forward, and they're going to they're point the way for you guys to go around. But as we do this, let me just pray over, uh, over this communion meal. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you that you are a God that is willing to call out our name, come to our house, come where we're at with whatever we're dealing with, with whatever our issues are, and sit down with us and know us intimately and know us for real. We thank you that you do this for us. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys as you come around. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.30. See you next time.